again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always, I am joined by Will. I can't clean up dog poo. Mjerden, how's it going today, Will? It's not like a can and can't thing. It's just purely <laughs> desire there. Okay. Um, now, I'm not feeling so good today. Uh, feeling a little bit crook. You're a bit hungover. We had some uh, miscues on the sound production side of things. We have. This is a take two. <laughs> so it's a bit of a bumpy start as we jump into the first look at conference previews for season 2019. And I'm thinking we've got to be sharper second time around. Like yeah, this, is, oh. this is going to be a great production this episode Ooh. because we've already done it. <laughs> It's just we that we may be a little unenthusiastic <laughs> about some of it because we have been through this so once already. All right, so this is like I said, this is the first of uh, uh, conference previews for the season. We'll start with a little bit of a theme this year, and we will take you through that. But before we do that, Will wants to start with something he's super excited about. Uh, we are going to do something that he's calling the college football SATs. That is it, yes. So uh, this is a little quiz I would like to introduce just to loosen us up at the start of the episode. Uh, I want the users at home to, or listeners at home to play along, see how they go. But uh, essentially I have five questions that I'm going to run you through. Uh, we did have another five and we have been through this <laughs> and didn't go so well for your first time around. It so, didn't, so it was a good practice run. Good practice run. I reckon that Professionalism. was, you saw how that was going and started playing with plugs during yeah, our recording. Yeah, yeah. So you got a second time round. But the, uh, the thought is that I'll ask these questions and depending on how you go, you will be slotted into a specific school that uh, I believe matches your knowledge of college football. So, Will is ranking the schools based on... Academic prestige. And where have you got this information from? Or is this completely made up? Uh, there is websites available. There are. That I kind of rank them. So, I, I use that as a rough kind of estimate around where we could do that. So, it's, it's more around, you know, the difficulty of being able to get into those schools. So, yeah. some, some of them are quite difficult and some of them, as long as you've got the cash and are willing to part with it <laughs> you can get there you can get along but uh, what, and what's what is an sat for our australian listeners what's an sat what does it stand for no idea <laughs> but i believe it's a standardized test that, <laughs> okay good that uh, i think it is well done mate yep, okay cool yeah, let's move on then. Let's no, just jump straight in, shall no we? No one's dialing in to listen to college football down under to get an in-depth understanding of the... Yeah. Educational edu systems of America. <laughs> exactly right. You never know. You no, never know. That's true. And we do. We, we want to branch out. We want to make sure everyone's, you know, understanding the full college experience. And this is part of it. <laughs> exactly. Although, sometimes if... <laughs> If you are, yeah, exactly right. Like if you've got some athletic traits, you might not be the brightest of sparks, but could still get into quite an academic school. So I don't know. Any names you want there. to throw out there at all? No, no sir. No, sir. I'm okay. steer clear of that one. Let's do it. Okay. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling ready. Uh, hopefully the, I go a little bit better than last time. So I hope so too, for everyone's sake. But yeah, play along at home. Uh, I've got five topics uh, and then a question associated with each of these topics. So kicking things off. Uh, the the subject is big numbers. Yes. So this one uh, specifically relates to last year. Uh oh. Yeah. Well, you were you were paying attention. I mean, I was dialed year. in. I learned a lot about college football last year, but gee, it leaks out pretty quickly, doesn't it? I was doesn't like, it? Oh, Michigan, Ohio State. Now someone definitely won that game. <laughs> 
It was on the tie. And it was a big game as well. And anyway. Yeah, I feel you 100%. But uh, anyways, this question. Which returning receiver had the most receiving yards in 2018? So who coming back had the most yards at the wide receiver position? Who even? I couldn't even say. Who who led the nation? Leading leading the nation was... No, it was Andy Isabella. Out of University of Massachusetts. That's right. Yeah, it was. He too. was drafted in the third round, I believe, yeah. the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Who? Uh, which returning receiver? Jeez, this is stiff straight off the bat. Number two is so he's coming back. Uh, there, there are a few really Wait, good so receivers. You're saying, sorry, sorry. So for twenty season twenty nineteen yep. or last year? So the the highest receiving number. Last year. last year that is coming back. Correct, yes. Okay. That's right. what I'm after. All right, okay. So I was going to go, I don't know. So it's not going to be in Keel Harry. No. Um, it's, it's no one who's graduated. AJ Brown or anyone. For, okay. So number two receiver. Is it a power five school? Uh, yeah, I'll allow that. Uh, yes. Yes, it is. Where are the big... So probably Ohio State put up some numbers last year, but they spread around... It'd probably be helpful to think around the Bolitnikov and who featured in oh, in that area. Uh, or one of the Georgia guys. No, but Holland went as well. He's not there anymore, I don't think, is he? Uh, um, uh, this is tough. I don't even know if I've got a great guess. Which returning receiver? Who are you excited about coming back at the receiver position this year? Um, I haven't delved too deep into the position groupings. I'm expecting big things from uh, Devonta Smith out of Alabama to do big things with Tour out there and kind of fill the shoes of that big receiving core that that they have had with Rugs and all those guys that are all coming back. That are all coming back. So I mean that that you know is it Jerry Judy or someone like that, um, or Let's go, Jerry Judy. That's not a bad guess. Uh, he, he was certainly up there, but it, it's not the right answer. The correct one in this case. What's hold up? What school is it? Oklahoma State. Oh, Tylen Wallace. It is Tylen Wallace. Oh. had big receiving yards. He's coming back. Really excited about that. You sound it. I mean, you sound like you are just blown away by that news. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm just disappointed you couldn't read me. Yeah, on that I, yeah, no, I okay, I haven't. We, okay, I, we haven't felt our way into it. I could actually see this little quiz running throughout the college previews, so we'll get a bit of a sense of I it moving so. forward. I think so, but it's good. There you go, uh, Tyler right. Wallace, uh, and as you said, like there's some really, really good receivers coming back. Uh, Lavisca Chenault is one at Colorado who's going to have a big year there. Uh, Jerry Judy is an absolute freak, so. Really uh, exciting group of wide receivers to follow in, in this year's class. Yep. Moving along then, next question. So I've got a school scratched, I'm assuming. Yes, so you are no longer at your uh, highest uh, possible option, which was Stanford. Stanford, I like Stanford. Stanford would have been nice. It would be nice for you to walk away from a degree there, but you're not getting entry. That's, okay. That's okay. been ruled out. Righto. Next one. Yes. Top Dogs. Top dogs. So this relates to coaches, Ooh. head coaches. And I think you'll be right here. I, I, just having said that, like it is a big thing in American media to know a lot about coaches, coach movement. But until you follow the sport for, what, 10 or 15 plus years in great depth, it is a hard thing to follow, particularly 
you know, off it, oh, they were an offensive coordinator in 1993. It's just the volume of it. I mean, yeah. talk 130 schools because often it's at the smaller schools where there's someone who's been super successful over a couple of years and they're a hot prospect and you're kind yeah, of following yeah. that. And then between coordinators, offense coordinators, offensive coordinators and a head coach, there's, there's just so much and there's a lot of movement. It's yeah, not a yeah. very stable environment. So yeah. you're right, but I think you'll be right here. Okay. Uh, can you name half of the head coaches in the SEC? Okay. Uh, Nick Saban. Correct. Yes. Off to a good start here. Off to a good start. Um, I don't know why this one jumped straight out at me, but Chad Morris yep. <laughs> at Arkansas. Correct. Uh, Ed Ogeron at LSU. Yep. Uh, Gus Malzon at Auburn. Correct. Uh, where else do we need to go here? Um, 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 oh, God, now I start thinning out already, which is not good. No. But if you start thinking schools, I think you'll you'll knock these over here. Uh, Florida is Dan Mullen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mississippi State is former Penn State offensive Joe Moorhead. Correct. Well done. That is That's six. six. Got one more to go. One more to go. I can't even think of teams at the moment. So who else have we got? We've got Vandy. We've got Missouri. We've got Kentucky. We've got... Uh, who else? Oh, A&M. Who is the head coach A&M? I should know this. It's you not this. Kevin Sumlin. It is not. It is Jimbo Fisher. Correct. There's your seven. So Former Florida State head coach. They were probably your big ones there. Uh, Georgia. Georgia's Kirby Smart. Yeah. Should have got that. Uh, South Carolina is my favourite Will Muschamp correct yeah uh, then Kentucky is Mike Stoops yeah I knew it was a Stoops I couldn't remember which one because yep. the other one was at I don't know there's Mike Bob's yeah. at Kansas did he just get no he, he, he was the one that was at uh, Oklahoma retired from okay, there yeah, yeah, okay. went in. Uh, is Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee yep yeah uh, you have Matt Luke uh, Derek Mason and oh, Barry Odom. Yes, I. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you got that one. Yes. Okay, on the board. Tick, so that tick. that gets you in. You're not going to community college. We've yes. at least got somewhere for you to go. Tick so that's exciting. Boxes. Good. Good. Next. I next got question. Like one plus one is equal to two. I've got that first one down. Yep. Yeah. 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 I All assume right. that question's in an SAT. Anyway. <laughs> the uh, the hate is real. So talking rivalries. Ooh. Okay. So I want you to tell me. Yeah. Which two programs face face off for the jeweled shillelagh? Oh, I can picture it. It's a, it's like a club looking thing. Uh, oh, and now it, the jeweled shillelagh. Each time a team wins, their respective jewel is added to the trophy. I'm not going to get this. I don't think. I think it's Big Ten. It's not Big Ten. It is not Big Ten. It is the jeweled shillelagh. I'll give you a hint. It's not within a conference. Okay. Uh, right, so what are the big non-interconference rivalries? There is... Well, I'm, I'm leaning one way already. Uh... It's probably Notre Dame 
and their big rivalry would be USC. So I'll say Notre Dame, USC. That is correct. Hey. Well done. So hey. that one uh, began in 1926. And yep. uh, yeah, with each win, there's a jewel that's added. So USC has a, a ruby added, a ruby trojan, yep. and Notre Dame get an emerald yep. shamrock. There you go. I did so, know that because well we talked about it last year. So yep. we had talked about it a little bit. And that see, was a, look at this. Some of it's retaining. Uh, Good job. Yeah, yeah. Drunk too much in the past, mate. <laughs> All right. So we are two from three. This yeah, is good. Fairing better than last better time than already. Yeah, it's better than last time. I'm excited. Uh, yeah. Next one along. We are looking at Mascot Madness. Uh-oh. I think you'll be right here. You so, keep saying that. Yeah. Uh, all right. I've got uh, one, two, three, four, five. Five uh, mascots, and then depending on how you go, I'll see where I set my bar <laughs> as to what you're going to get. I'd, I'd expect you to get all of them. Uh, I might give you a pass on one of them. So, okay, let's go. I need you to match these mascots to their school. So I'm going to give you the name of the actual mascot Ooh, okay. itself. Okay. And you tell me which school they belong to. Yep. So here's layup. Sebastian the Ibis. That is Miami. Correct. Well yeah. done. Yeah. Uh, Sparky. Um... Now, it's not Sparty, which is the Michigan State. Correct, Spartan. it is not. Sparky. Now, oh, can I come back to that one? Sure thing, we can loop back around. Uh, next one on then is, uh, we'll take a pass there. The next one on, yeah, yeah. Mike the Tiger. That is uh, one of the Tigers. Yes, it's not, not a Bulldog. Not LSU, Auburn. It is LSU. It is LSU. It is LSU. We went there. We visited him. We saw him in his cage. And there's been like multiple mics. Uh, Yeah. I think there's like a photo of you with his head in your head in his jaws. Okay. Come on. (laughs) War Eagle. (laughs) War Eagle. Uh, Next one, Willie the Wildcat. Uh, Now, this, I should get this. Kansas State. Correct. And also Northwestern. <laughs> and also Northwestern. So yes. I would have accepted either. Okay. Because there are two Willie the Wildcats. <laughs> which is gross. Which is just ridiculous. But yeah, uh, yeah one of them is at K-State. Uh, and then we've got Cosmo the Cougar. Cosmo the Cougar. Which is a tough one because there's a few Cougars out there. I mean, you immediately jump to Washington State. Cougars, Cougars. Um... And I'm still playing around with Sparky as well in my head. That is going around and around in circles. And I think... Oh, Sparky. I think it is... I don't know, but I'm going to go with Kent State, Golden Flashes. That's incorrect, unfortunately. Uh, Cosmo is... uh, Sorry, I meant the Sparky. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. That's what I went with, which I'm now retracting that statement. USC... Arizona State. Oh. Another one we visited. Uh, Why did I say I thought, USC? Yeah, I thought that was Arizona right State. Yeah, of course. Sparky, I should have known that, that little Sun devil. devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So That's that bad by me. I should have got that. And Cosmo the Cougar? Cosmo the Cougar. I'm not so sure on Cosmo the Cougar. But. Uh, that is the tough one. I'm, I was, this was the one I was willing to give you a pass on. But uh, that'd be some obscure. It's BYU. Oh yeah, BYU okay. Is Cosmo. I, yeah, I was yeah. thinking it could be Houston. Yeah, yeah. 
but no, yeah, BYU there. So uh, we won't give you the points there, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's probably fair enough because I battled even with the LSU-Auburn one. Let's mm. just move on from the match. Yeah, yeah, okay. I thought I'd actually go okay in that. I, yeah, I did, I yeah did. that's all right. That's all right. We're, I was expecting Brutus Buckeye, to be honest with you. Okay. But anyway. Uh, so that rules out Georgia Tech for you. Okay. You're not going to a so tech no school? no Stanford, no Georgia Tech. No, unfortunately not. Okay. But you've got one opportunity to uh, improve on your rankings. So what am I now? Three or four? four you, no, two or four. Two or four. Two or four, okay. Yeah, 50%. Yeah, okay. Let's, we can strike a bit ahead of that. Legends of the modern era. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, this is going to be a tough one. Oh, great. <laughs> <sighs> Who holds the NCAA's single season record with 24 sacks? Oh. He played out of Arizona State, and it was... I think I know this. In 2002. I think I know this. Yeah? But I'm not sure. Did he go on to have an NFL career? A very successful that, one. Yeah. For a very ballyhooed, highly touted defensive team. Correct. I part think you're of a, something here. Part of a team that won a Super Bowl Yep. when the lights went out. Uh, now you're pressing me. Against the 49ers? He's, oh, just recently retired. Uh, he's just recently signed with a new team. Oh, that is not who I was thinking of. Arizona State, Arizona State. So you State. might have thought he retired when he's actually moved elsewhere. I don't know. You're so not the team the was Baltimore. Terrell Suggs. That is correct. Yes. Well done. I was right. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I was so like, I, I followed the NFL. I thought he retired. No, nah, yeah. He's signed with someone else. I can't yeah. remember exactly. They've, they've got him Pittsburgh? before. Pittsburgh? Uh, no, no, certainly not there. <laughs> no. That not Pittsburgh. Don't listen to me. This is not an NFL show. It is not. But okay. uh, you've done well to pull that. So Terrell Suggs had 24 sacks at Arizona State in 2002. That is impressive. Absolutely it is. So that's good. Yay. You've got uh, three, three out, out of five. five. You're, you're moving up in the world. So that one there slots you. At a school that is quite uh, an enjoyable educational <laughs> institution. Uh, and that's Arizona State. Hey, the, an Arizona State-themed series of questions. Absolutely, there. it was a little bit. And, and that's where you've ended up. So they have a bit of a reputation as a party school. Yeah. Uh, and we could probably... Attest to that. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we had a good time in our travels there. Uh, we rocked up on Halloween, Yes, it? yeah. So there was stuff happening around the place. So <laughs> that was good fun. That was an like, absolute madness Thursday night game. Uh, it yeah, it like was triple overtime. That's right against Oregon. Yeah, and shootout. I can't think of who the quarterback was for Oregon. Just threw up that prayer on fourth down in overtime, and just someone caught it. Yeah, and, and we got into those sweet seats that we definitely shouldn't have been there. No, absolutely. We're jingling our keys and stuff <laughs> like they do. We had a good time, and, good. and yeah. So, and I, I think you get like a, a decent degree work walking out of there. I, I mean, I don't know. I Sure, I would go there. It's nice. The weather's nice. Yeah, it's warm. You're in the desert. So, uh, well done. Happy for you there. I'm moving and, to Tempe. And I think Mom and Dad are moving to Tempe. Ho- hopefully, uh, our listeners has learned a thing or two across there. Yeah, hopefully. Let us know if you did get all five uh, done because, you know, we'll, we suck, so. we'll, we'll send you out probably not much. An offer much. for Stanford. Yeah. <laughs> An offer for Stanford. We'll pull some strings. Um, now, I'll get my opportunity to return the favour for that next episode. So, Can't hopefully, wait. those questions aren't too difficult for you uh but i've i've made some some difficult ones so hopefully uh will goes okay that's nice of you anyway we are going to start our 
college previews for 20, season 2019 with a bit of a road trip in a road tripping theme. We are going to start on the West Coast. So we're going to jump into uh, one Power 5 and one Group of 5 and give the Group of 5 a little bit of love in this episode. But we're going to start on the West Coast and we're going to slowly make our way east. Uh, and th- that obviously means that we stick with, again, Arizona State themed. We're going to start in the Pack 12 now, hopefully in a few of these introductions, we can give our Australian listeners a bit of an understanding about what the conference is, what it means, a little bit about, the, I guess, the without going too deep into the socio-political climate of the area, but certainly to give a little bit of background about the feeling of the area, what football means there, and, and, and how the whole system works in that part of the world. And I think the Pac-12 has always been a really, really intriguing one to a lot of Australians because of the time uh, difference there and the fact that you can get up very easily on a Sunday uh, without you know, getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning. You can watch a lot of good Pac-12 football into the, like, the late morning and into the afternoon. So it's always really, really enjoyable to do that. You've got a really interesting mix of teams in very rural, remote, nice environments like your Colorado's, very rural in Washington State. You've got Oregon, which is a college town up in Ortson and, uh, you know, and some really, really nice areas. Uh, But then you've also got some big city football as well with USC and UCLA based out of Los Angeles. Uh, You've got some teams in and around San Francisco and the Bay Area there. So you've you've got this kind of mix. And then you've got the two teams in the desert as well, in Arizona, Arizona State, uh, Utah as well. So in terms of a sightseeing trip, if you want to see some awesome places in America and see some college football, the Pac-12 is probably not a bad place to start. Absolutely. I mean, you've got places like Oregon where you can kind of get out and amongst the nature uh, and see everything you've got there. Uh same with Washington in the, in that northwest region. Yep. Uh, LA is probably where you're going to fly in, so you can yeah, go yeah. there. And if you're there, jump up to San Fran, not far away. Get out, get out of town to Cow there. Uh, Stanford's I, not far from there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we went there. Uh, I went to Cow when I was up at about that place, and it's absolutely beautiful part of the world. So. 100% concur with you there that if you are looking for, you know, an opportunity and you're going stateside, it's probably going to be a good one because a lot of us Australians fly in from that West Coast. Uh, and then when you get back home, it's a lot easier to follow, a lot a lot less uh, yeah, yeah. early morning starts. And I think um, on top of that, you've got uh, a part of the world that relates very strongly to Australians in terms of California, especially. Uh, without leaving out those other states but california very similar weather to australia uh you know very i guess i guess quite liberal i suppose politically and and you know uh they were first ones they're legalizing gay marriage and marijuana and all that sort of stuff and they're getting on that board on that boat nice and early so uh, a lot to like about that part of the world and uh definitely worth a visit in terms of the football though probably struggled a little bit recently they've got some uh powerhouses or somewhat powerhouses in usc and and ucla have had some really good moments uh the former chip kelly oregon ducks were really really strong and in national conversation every year but recently the whole conference has been held up by washington 
and uh, we'll see if that continues uh, into sort of the the following seasons or whether the Pac-12 can become nationally relevant once again. Yeah, it certainly has been and it's I think it is just kind of these uh, peaks and troughs that some of the conferences go through. So it was the Big 12 uh, earlier and now it is more the Pac-12 going through that down time where they seem to be the ones that are getting left out of the four-team format semifinals uh, because, you know, five-power conferences, only four can make it. SEC are often putting up an argument to have two go through in. So it's it's tough going. And the Pac-12 have been quite even within the conference, so they tend to be beating up on each other. And they haven't had a great record in their marquee matchups out of conference that has kind of probably hurt them overall, which may be, you know, a, a little unfair because you drop one game and then all of a sudden the whole conference gets painted in a, a specific way that is not necessarily the way. I mean, it's, it's a game of football. The, things go either way. So, and I, I find that a lot of those Pac-12 teams in those big early season marquee matchups tend to be the travelling team as well, mm. which, you know, like we look at, again, we look at the Washington-Auburn game last year and yeah, Auburn weren't a great team really to finish the year and they didn't have a certainly a great season. But... Uh, but Washington had to travel, you know, 90% of the way and Auburn just caught a bus. And then all of it, and, and they played it tight as well. And it was close and all of a sudden Washington then get thrown out of the national conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's, let's jump into it and have a run through. Maybe you can take us through the north and we can st- structure this up so that maybe we talk about the tiers in, in each of the conferences or in each of the divisions within the conference. Yeah, sounds good. So... I think at the very top, you have got on the north side, you have got Washington. I think they are far and away uh, the best team in the Pac-12. Uh, or probably not far and away, but I think Jacob Eason starting at quarterback this year after his transfer from Georgia will take that offense that struggled at times under Jake Browning playing in that quarterback position. Uh, you know, they stalled out and struggled at times. And I think with with Eason, things are going to get far, far easier and more. They're going to put up better numbers. The defense is always good. Yeah, they lose a lot on the back end uh, in terms of that secondary. But if I trust any team to produce good defensive backs, it's Washington. They just seem to be churning out NFL talent, which is really, really impressive. Uh, so yeah, I don't see them taking a step back uh, and the schedule that they have this year is is really not too bad they do have a couple of tough games in a row where they go to Stanford but I see them taking a step back then to Arizona and that could be a real danger game to go from at, uh, you know traveling to Stanford then going down to Arizona and then the, the following week they, they get Oregon at home which will be their biggest matchup uh, and that would be one that you may be looking ahead to. So that Arizona game looms as something partic- uh, particularly dangerous. Uh, I just don't really see how anyone could say that Washington isn't the cream of the North at this stage. The only other one that could be up there would be Oregon. Justin Herbert returns for his senior year at quarterback, and he's going to be a very, very good one. Uh, they do lose a few pieces in terms of uh, Dylan Mitchell, uh, at receiver and uh, you know 
Overall, they should improve, though. That offensive line returns a lot of starters, and they should be better. Uh, so a lot of people are expecting big things from Oregon, but I'm on a bit of a wait-and-see, prove-it-to-me deal for the Ducks this year until I can say that they're better than Washington. Okay. I, uh, I tend to disagree with you a bit on the that one in the North. So for mine, Oregon is probably that standout team. And it's it, it might be a bit harsh for Washington having you know been as successful that they are. My biggest concern is that they're only returning two starters on the defensive side, and that's a hell of a lot of inexperience. Uh, and the nature of the college game is you go through these kind of waves of when you have experience and talent on the field together, and whenever you have that inexperience, it it's certainly cause for concern because it's kids. We are literally talking about. 18, 19, 20-year-old kids out on the field here. Uh, and I will back in situations where they've been through it and they've built on that and they're hardened that extra year over, you know, the, oh, they might be talents coming back, but if they, do, they don't have that, I don't know where it's going to go. Where Oregon, they, they seem to be that perfect uh, recipe, I guess, of talent returning uh, and, and the numbers coming back. So the fact that Justin Herbert, kind of turned his uh, nose on the NFL for another year to come back. He would have been a first-round pick had he declared last year. Uh, and the fact that he decided to come back, they've got all five starters returning uh, up front in the offensive line. Uh, and they also had Troy Dye as a linebacker, uh, who was another one. Uh, he was a weapon last year. Exactly well. right. And huge NFL aspirations had an opportunity to go, decided to come back. So when you see those sorts of things, they're – that kind of, to me, is, wow, these guys really have the opportunity. They're perfectly set. Uh, Washington will be interesting with Jacob Eason because he had all the talent in the world. He was a five-star guy. Still does. Still does. Yeah, 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 but we haven't seen it. And it's, it's one of those ones where he was in a QB battle and he lost it. And that always kind of... Not always concerns me a little bit, but it's certainly not a situation where someone's done their time in a, the same system and then is kind of ready to step up and take over. It's He was in a system, lost that job, has now jumped out and has to pick it all up again. I don't think it's an immediate, yeah, he's going to be great. He could be, don't get me wrong, but there's certainly question marks there in that space. Okay, interesting. I think that game, the Oregon-Washington game, appears to be set up to be a really, really, really key battle, which will be a good one. Through uh, to look forward to uh, in the Pac-12 this year. I think moving forward then, I think the two teams that uh, could possibly be uh, around the mark in the North or certainly push some teams, Stanford will be okay, but I see them sliding. Uh, you just To me, you just can't lose JJ Arcega-Whiteside, Trent Irwin and Bryce Love uh, in the same year. That's a lot of offensive firepower. Uh, KJ Costello comes back as one of the big arm talents in the Pac-12 and potentially even in the country. Uh, and then they lose a lot on the defensive side as well. Their non-conference schedule is brutal in UCF, Notre Dame and Northwestern. So I see a really, really tough year for Stanford. They'll be in and around it because they always play pretty good defense and they'll, they'll do some stuff offensively. They'll find another running back that can run through that monster offensive line full of really smart 
astrophysicists or something. Um, so that's not going to be an, an issue, but they're just not going to be able to score enough points to hang with Oregon and Washington. Speaking of a team that does put up points, you're looking at Washington State, uh, but I think they potentially take a big step back as well. You lose Gardner Minshew, who, yes, he was a one-year transfer and did a really good job. You lose uh, Andre Dillard on the offensive line to the NFL. Uh, and they've got Gage Gabrud coming back in. And, and if you believe in the fact that Mike Leach can turn any quarterback into an air raid quarterback in one year, then you're probably not discounting Washington State. However, I am. No one's. I don't think someone's going to come in and do what Gardner Minshew did. Um, but I think, and so I think they will get dropped back to the pack. So I think in that middle tier, I've got Washington State and Stanford. Yeah, I tend to agree with you there. So I think both of those teams are probably going to drop back a little bit this year. Uh, I know Stanford were probably a little disappointing on their normal you know, expectations last year, and I expect much of the same for them, and that's just purely around a lot of turnover. KJ Costello is definitely got the arm talent there, but he just doesn't seem to have those pieces that uh, you would like to see could happen for them and David Shaw is an excellent coach but as you said that out of conference schedule is going to be tough for them they've got a lot of traveling to do uh, around that so I think they're certainly in there Washington State had a great run last year but I expect them to to slide back Gardner Minshew was great will be interesting to see if the uh, Eastern Washington kid can keep things going for them uh, and that tends to be the way in these air raid offenses you always get the big numbers but they they need the defense to be around uh, and they're bringing six back there so that will kind of make or break them for me whether they can keep that going because they're still going to score 45 50 points a game it's just when last year they were managing to keep teams under that they were winning those yeah, games yeah. where historically that's not necessarily the case and and that's where it hurts them. I think California is the other one that I, sli- yeah. I slide into this group. So. And that's fair enough. I did. Yep. Sorry, carry on. I, I 100% agree with you. And I think we're going to concur on the same Yeah, point yeah. They, they had a really good defense last year. And by all indications are that that's going to be the same. Uh, for them, they just need to be able to score more points. Their offense can't get any worse. They were terrible last year offensively. Correct. Uh, so you hope things change there, but uh, it's probably you know reasonable to expect that they will. So that's where I see them in there, but not making that step for really challenging in the north. Uh, and then just to finish things off, Oregon State is probably the they're still struggling. They're, they're kind of the cellar dwellers in the uh, Pac-12. Yeah. And the second year uh, for Jonathan Smith, the head coach, should hopefully bring about some better results, but I think it's still going to be tough Tough going year in Corvallis. Uh, yeah, I think you've got a pretty rich middle class there, actually, in the north. And, and overall, the conference looks really, really strong, which is good. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And I think that's kind of what we talked about last year with them beating up on themselves. It, it, that middle class is super strong. And on their day, they can kind of beat anyone. And then that tends to be what happens. A, a bunch of teams are winning the home games or, you know, the providing slight upsets. But it's, yeah, it's tough going to go there. Should we jump over into the south? Go for it. So lead us away. Let's, well, you could go top down, bottom up. Uh, I'll start with the top and I think the South for me is uh, really held up by one program so for me I had the North uh, was Oregon and I had them clear up top and the South I have Utah in the same boat so they were 
really good last year. They were they kind of surprised me in the games that I watched and I managed to catch a few of them. They were a fun team to watch. They were super competitive and they were getting some great results. Uh, they had some injuries uh, down the stretch to specifically quarterback Tyler Huntley and running back Zach Moss. But they're both going to be back this year uh, and that's really exciting for them. Uh, they're loaded. I mean, they're, they're returning a, a lot of dudes. I think it's like 18, 18 starters are coming back for them. So they have every opportunity to be in the national conversation, at least early on. Uh, do I expect that to play out? Probably not, but they're going to be definitely waving the flag for the Pac-12. Uh, they, they do have a lot more over the others in the South, in my mind. Yeah, I think Kyle Whittingham's done a fantastic job with that Utah program, and they continue to, to churn out these uh, really stout defenses. And on top of that, they've, you know, like you said, Tyler Huntley has added a real finishing kick to, at times, a pretty stodgy Utah offense uh, in previous years. But this particular iteration of it is really dynamic, and they, I think they'll cruise in the south, and then, like you said, they they will go and play in the Pac-12 championship game, and rightly so. And and they are, like you said, clearing away or firing away the uh, the top team out there. I'd be very surprised if they didn't make it. Okay, I uh, I then have three teams in that next tier for okay. me. Okay, uh, I think the ones that could step up, and this is purely based on talent, is uh, USC. So I am not a huge fan of what Clay Helton's done. I didn't really like that hire and they haven't achieved much at all in the last few years. But that could all come together for them. Like they have it on paper at least, the opportunity to be the ones to challenge in the South because they get those five-star kids. The talent is there. And I kind of liken it to uh, Richmond in the AFL where... Uh, Hardwick had his team kind of struggling. They were around that. They were a mid-rung team, and he was looking like he might get the sack. He got that one more year uh, added on his contract to go around again, and then they flagged. And it all kind of came together. They all bought into it, and now he's kind of one of the safest jobs in in all of the AFL. I could see that happening at USC. I could see them going on a run. Uh, they have JT Daniels, who was a five-star quarterback, who has a year of experience under his belt now. I think it was probably unreasonable for people to expect him to come in as a freshman and light up the league. He did what you would expect him to. He had some really good moments and he had some pretty bad ones. But he's going to be much better for that year of experience under his belt. And they have five-star talent on that team. And they, they probably have more than anyone else in the entire conference. So whilst we haven't seen it yet, there's heaps of potential at USC. Uh, and then the others that uh, excite me, I guess, UCLA. And that's kind of a Chip Kelly thing. So second year there, I'm excited to see what it is. Uh, and what they can do there. They don't have to play Oregon or Washington in the crossover, which will certainly help them from a schedule standpoint. Uh, and they get nine back on the defensive side of the ball. So when that offensive starts clicking in Chip's unit, which you know is a bit of an assumption, I think defensively they're kind of set up similar to what Washington State were last year, where they were scoring points and they were able to stop enough to win games. Uh, and then the other one is kind of... This really sits on a tier between the next group and itself, but 
I guess my prediction is that Arizona take a bit of a step forward. So second year under Kevin Sumlin, uh, I am, I guess, more hopeful than anything else that Khalil Tate reverts back to the player we saw two years ago uh, and was just a kind of freak running for 250 yards and passing for 250 yards a game on the reg. Like he was a real superstar. Last year, uh, someone's first year at the gig, don't know what it was, but it, it didn't work. They were super disappointing and I'm hoping a big bounce back there. Yeah, I uh, I politely agree and disagree. I think USC deserves to be in that mix. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about Clay Helton and Chip Kelly a little bit later when discussing uh, a few issues we see around the conference. But the Arizona one, I agree. Khalil Tate finally got his mojo back towards the end of the season. Um, and he is set to do some amazing things, and he's a phenomenal talent to watch, and he's dynamic both through the air and with his legs as well on the ground. So they should be better. I don't think UCLA will push up into that group, and I think USC will be cutting ties with Clay Helton before the season is out. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean that leaves us with Colorado and Arizona State. Yep. You see Arizona State falling away. They lose to Kill Harry. They lose uh, Manny Wilkins, that yep. quarterback who has s- suited up for the uh, Sun Devils for at least a million years now. And that leaves Eno Benjamin, who is a fantastic running back, but he's going to have to carry the load there. Absolutely, yeah. I think he's one of the best running backs in the Pac-12, but. They, yeah, I think they're going to struggle a bit. I expect, you know, five or six wins uh, from this, which is a step back from where they were last year, around seven wins. So they'll be fighting for a bowl game, but I have them and uh, Colorado as well, the other one kind of going back. They started really well, and they have one of our favourite players in LaVisca Chenault, who is a freak. But outside of that, I think they've got a pretty rough schedule this year. Uh, and they've got a lot of turnover in the program. So I mean, Stevie Montez is a good quarterback. Uh, he did some good things at the start of last year when they did get on that run. Uh, but you lose a talent like LaVisca Chenault to injury and, and things do get tough. So Colorado are not going to be an easy out, I don't think. Uh, I think Arizona State are there for the pickings, though, potentially. If you could shut down Eno Benjamin and make them put the ball in the air, I think you could probably have your way with the Sun Devils. Okay. All right, moving on. Uh, We always want to have a look at the Aussies in action, of course. Uh, There's a whole bunch of Aussies involved in the Pac-12. And in fact, the conference as a whole has stepped up its volume of Australians. And they are up to 10. Uh, We're looking at good things from James Stefanow, who returns to Colorado. Tom Snee, who punted in 10 games for the Ducks last year. And he comes back as well. Stephen Coots. Uh, will complete his eligibility this season at Cowan. He had a pretty good season there as well. There are a couple of names to keep an eye on, though, and there are two former Richmond Tigers. Seems like Richmond get a lot of airtime here. I don't even like Richmond. Uh, But Ben Griffiths at USC and Ben Lennon at Utah are going to take over the punting duties there. Ben Griffiths specifically comes with a whole lot of raps. Uh, and they think he's going to be a really, really, really good one for the Trojans. It can kick a football. So, I mean, he's living that good life. Uh, was on the AFL list, did what he wanted there, and now he's going over to sunny California to <laughs> hang around. Uh, and, yeah. 
He should have a good run. Utah have also added a couple of guys, uh, another couple of guys from from Australia, a tight end and offensive lineman as well. Uh, both from Queensland, both rugby backgrounds, both got difficult names to pronounce. So I do apologize to our Polynesian listeners. I am not great with the names. So we'll have a crack at them throughout the year. Uh, but I won't embarrass myself just this early. Ah, boo. <laughs> okay. Uh, so last thing is, what is the big question for the Pac-12 this year? What's the thing we don't know or the big storyline that we should follow? Okay. Let's uh, start with you. Yeah, I'll, I'll kick it off. So mine, uh, for me, there, there's a lot that you could pick in the Pac-12. There's uh, quite a bit happening uh, right from the entire conference itself. Can it bounce back? Can it find its way into the national championship conversation uh there's the clay helton watch as we kind of touched on is he going to get the sack or not uh you know they, they need to win games if they don't then he will <laughs> and yeah. the other one around whether oregon are legit or not uh i think that's a, an interesting one to follow but for mine it's chip kelly and what's what's happening at ucla so obviously last year got off to a really slow start i think they lost their first five or six games which yeah, is, well, he was on par with the Scott Frost at Nebraska. Exactly like, right, the two of the them. First one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're both, you know, highly touted coaches at really respected programs and not getting wins. So automatically, you know, you're, you're under the spotlight for that. So my question there is really, is, is the brand toast? Is what Chip Kelly brings to the table still that much, uh, does it bring that much relevance? Does it give them an advantage because what he's kind of known for, that up-tempo, uh, spread-out offense, run a, a lot of plays, is now the norm in college football. When he was doing it out at Oregon in, you know, started off 2009, he was really cutting edge. He was ahead of the curve. It was catching teams off guard with, you know, how quickly they had to get lined up on defense and, you know, make the reads against what they were getting out against them where now that's the norm since his his time there where he was incredibly successful i mean you can't play down the fact that his four years as a head man at oregon they went to four bcs bowls which was you know the equivalent of the new year's six now i suppose yeah. the, the, the top bowl games um and made you know took a team to the national championship game and whilst oregon have been a good program they were never that you know blue chipper superstardom and he kind of brought them into that with that with that uh nike money so he really turned things there and then they definitely dipped after he left like he he was doing a great job uh but will will now he's back after his few years in the nfl will we see that happen i mean his four years at oregon points per points per game rankings he had them seventh in the nation, first in the nation, third in the nation, and second in the nation. They were elite offensive units. His first his first year at UCLA last year, they were ranked 91st in points per game, which is a huge drop back. And it is. They were really, really young last year. Absolutely. Young at the quarterback position, inexperienced at the quarterback position. Um, I, think, I think you're selling the Chip Kelly brand a little bit short. He was really really innovative and you could see that that transitioned across to the nfl with his time particularly at philadelphia and the fact that he was you know coaches were coming to see him and, and look at film and break film down because he was innovative he's actually originally a wing t coach 
He is not a spread it out, throw the ball. He is a run on first down, run on second down, run on third down. And if it's fourth and one or two, you're running it again. You don't punt the ball in those situations no matter where you are. He comes from a run-heavy offense, and he turned it into this crazy spread innovative thing. Now, whilst I agree with you in terms of the, the speed in which teams are going, and to be fair, concepts in, in football haven't changed that much, but he throws a little bit of flavor into them and, and a bit more window dressing maybe. And, and with that tempo and speed, he has always been at the forefront of that innovation. And I don't see that changing with him at UCLA. His big issue is that he doesn't recruit with any particular vigor. And the guys that he does recruit are a little bit cut of a different cloth. He doesn't follow the recruit rankings and every program's going to say, oh, we don't look at stars or oh, we only watch film bullshit probably for one but he certainly doesn't follow that he's after a certain type of guy that doesn't necessarily fit the national mold of what is expected from a really good player and that hasn't changed since his time at Oregon either but they are ranked 77th in recruiting this year at this stage with only six commits uh, and that continue does continue to concern me is is his inability to recruit. What was their class like last year? I like don't actually know, to, to be honest with you. Not particularly great either, I don't think. But again, that's not new for him. Uh, his classes at Oregon certainly weren't in the top 10 or anything like that. Uh, they just landed the right guys at the right time and they were fast. <laughs> yeah. And you had to be fast. You had them on running programs and all that sort of stuff. But they, they did run a track team out there. It would be an interesting one. Clay Helton, for me, the other storyline you did mention was the USC coaching job. And, and I keep a very close eye on USC, not necessarily on a Saturday, but in terms of their uh, athletic department and their coaching hires and stuff because their fall from grace came at a very similar time and has followed a very similar pattern to that of Miami. And Miami uh, has had this cycle of three and four year coaches, guys that know the program, guys that are uh, have been involved and get the Miami brand. And USC have done that. All their guys, whether it's Ed Orgeron or um, Sarkeesian or Clay Helton, have all been offensive coordinators or previous coaches at the school. And they haven't thrown that big money at a big coach, and Clay Helton's that. Uh, and they just haven't been able to turn this thing around. And I think it is time that USC part ways with him and then they go after Urban Meyer. Ooh, Urban, okay. Well, there's some more noise that he wants is potentially available to come out of retirement. But will And USC would be a good program for him because he can recruit. And, uh, you know, USC, again, talking about recruiting, USC is down in the 70s this year of recruits as well. Now, they will pick a whole heap up that are big and they'll finish in the top 10 probably. But at this stage, they're not going real well and they've had a whole bunch of decommitments uh, from their players. And I don't see this class recovering, especially with the negative recruiting that would go on against them around, oh, is Clay Helps saying, is he not? Look, your team's average, you can't put up points etc etc yes they've still got pieces and parts but so like I said the the relationship or the similarities between them and Miami uh, Miami have had players as well in fact we put six or seven guys in the NFL in one year and we went seven and six okay so if your coaching isn't there it's not there so Clay Helton needs to go yeah and I mean I was of that opinion at the end of last year I was surprised to see how that goes but who knows that continuity can be really important uh, within programs and 
them backing him in, I don't hate the move, but he's just got to win. And I like the win. guy. Like, he's a nice guy. He speaks well. He's he's a good dude. Uh, you hate to see good people go that way, but I just don't think in terms of winning, USC is in the right spot with him. Yeah. Well, he's, he's got to win double digits this year or they're done. Yeah, I think they have to win. I mean, they've got to come out and win in the South, I think. Otherwise, they'll move on. And then they perpetuate this cycle of three or four-year coaches. Anyway, uh, my big storyline that I think the Pac-12 was going to have a look at that I want to know is, can Justin Herbert win the big game? We saw him capitulate against Stanford. Not necessarily him, but the, the, the team, and he was part of that, obviously. But if he is as good as what people say, and he's the higher draft pick that people say he is, I want to see him lead a team down, his team back when things aren't going well uh, we, I haven't seen him do that yet and that is what big quarterbacks do at big times is they make the big passes the big plays by themselves in that fourth and six or seven in that you know third and twelve whatever the case may be they go and make the play when it needs to be made We've seen Sam Ellinger do it. We saw Baker Mayfield do it time and time again. We've seen Tom Brady do it in the NFL. That is what makes the difference uh, at that level in terms of being a, uh, a quarterback. That's what's expected of you, like it or not. And I know there's 10 other guys out in the field that need to do their jobs as well. But unfortunately, you as the quarterback, you get all the praise if things go well. You also cop a whole heap of the critique responsibility and criticism if things don't go your way. I want to see him come out and lead his team to wins over Oregon. Oh, sorry, against Auburn and Washington. I want some proof that he can be the man. Yeah, okay. I like that. Uh, it's He's got all the arm talent in the world. Uh, watching games last year, I was kind of like, wow, this dude has a cannon. Like, And he's got that prototypical size. He He's... Big man, six four, six five, six six. He moves well. Yeah, he's he's athletic and good feet, and it really hums out his hands. So uh, he was one that I I loved to watch and surprised went back in the end. But you're right, there there is that little bit of moxie to show to can you win when you need to? Can you put your team on your shoulders? Can you drag them across the line? Can you do it when everything's on the line? Uh, and he's going to get his chance. And, and if he does and it goes well for him, he's certainly going to be in the Heisman conversation because I think oh, they're going to be winning enough games. Absolutely. All right. That brings us to the end of the Pac-12. So uh, you are saying that in the south, you think it's going to be Utah? I do, yes. In the north, it'll be Oregon? Yep. Who's your pick? Uh, at this stage, I'll go with Oregon. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll back Herbert in. And then my Smokey, if you could call them a Smokey, I suppose, is for USC to come back to relevance. Okay. Uh, and be a you know a really impressive team that potentially, if things do go right, they have top five potential for mine. What is more likely, USC firing Clay Helton or UCLA making a bowl game? Uh, more likely UCLA... Oh, UCLA bowl game. I, I fully expect that to happen. Okay. Where I only kind of part expect Hilton to get the sack. So you so. could see a world where UCLA make a bowl game and USC don't fire Clay Hilton. Yes, I, I could see that happening. Okay, interesting. Well, interesting. let's say USC go on a big thing, win the Pac-12. 
all UCLA need to do is win six, <laughs> six games, games. Yeah. go to the Outback. Maybe not even. <laughs> holiday Bowl or, I don't know, there's a whole heap of new ones introduced. A lot of teams get to yeah. the bowl in these days. Yeah, yeah. True, true. Uh, okay, interesting one. And I would suggest that your uh, big player to watch that is going to be Justin Herbert, the quarterback out of Oregon. All right, uh, let's move then into the Mountain West. Now, we don't give the group of five conferences too much love on this particular podcast. Uh, we want to give them a bit of a chance this year. We still watch uh, some group of five uh, football, and it is still an awesome part of the world. We do stay on that West Coast, and they, of course, include our Australia's favourite school in Hawaii. Uh, so, you know, we will have a bit of a look at how the Mountain West is shaping up. Now, the thing about the Mountain West is that they're one of the better five conferences. They're, one of their conferences is called the Mountain Conference, and the other one is called the Western Conference. So you've got the Mountain, the Mountain West West and the Mountain West Mountain, which is a little bit confusing, but whoever... I don't Hang know if that's confusing, it. dude. That's pretty straight. <laughs> For mine, that's pretty clear. It is pretty clear, but in terms of the uh, ability to enunciate it correctly is probably more what I'm after. Anyway, there are some really good teams. So Boise State, Utah State, Fresno State all ended up ranked to finish last season. Uh, and they kind of headline how good that conference can be, uh, but they really do the bulk of the heavy lifting. San Jose State, UNLV, New Mexico, Colorado State are, you know, really quite weak, and that is on a yearly basis. So a little bit uh, propped up by the top, bit top heavy, the Mountain West. Yep. Uh, Utah State, if we have a look at those three teams in particular, Utah State will be good again. Uh, they've got a solid, really, really solid defense, and Jordan Love returns at that quarterback position as one of the best uh, uh, trigger men in the country. They do lose their top four wide receivers, which is pretty tough, and their offensive coordinator. So offensively, they'll probably take a step back. Uh, Matt Wells moves across into the Big 12. Uh, so they'll probably take a little bit of a step back offensively, but they will hopefully be good again. I think their offense was so good to watch last year. Yeah, I'm certainly excited for Jordan Love as well. He was a real surprise packet last year. Maybe not a lot of people uh, heard about him or know about him, but he's definitely one to watch this year. Uh, they've lost some tools, but he he is athletic and Big can as well. yeah, and can sling it around. So he's definitely uh, in for a big year because Utah State are going to be around the mark again. I think it's it's Boise State, Utah State on that mountain side. Uh, Boise are. Uh, uh, a really good football team and they have been for a very long time they've they've consistently been that group of five standout uh often finishing in the top 25 often providing a big upset of a, a no bigger program no well oklahoma state did and handled them so <laughs> okay but, but yeah, they're, they're a tough out. And, a bit but that like comes USC, with, uh, sorry, UCF, I suppose. Have yeah. UCF probably pushed it a little bit higher than what Boise had. But I mean, Boise went and beat uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma yeah, was Fiesta it? Bowl. In yeah, the Fiesta Bowl, which, yeah, that awesome game. Awesome, just watch the finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah really that, cool. that whole game was, yeah, definitely one to watch if you're going into the archives. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Boise are a really good team and they are probably a good shot to go double-digit wins again if, if they can kind of run this conference here. So, 
Uh, they'll definitely be around. And in the West, it's Fresno, San Diego State, uh, and hopefully Hawaii. They, they, yeah, yeah. They've got quite a number of Aussies on the squad, and I think they're positioned nicely this year to under their new uh, head coach, or he had first year last year, um, definitely an opportunity to continue an, an upward trend because it's not easy to travel out there and, and beat them. No, uh, and they run that run and shoot offense really, really well, putting up big numbers offensively. Uh, and they're always a late one that you can watch here in Australia, uh, which is, and it's always an interesting commentary staff as well. Uh, listening to that one is, is good fun. I agree. I think Fresno do the work uh, on uh, on that side because their defense finished in the top 20 last year and it's some really good stuff. Jed Tedford, the head coach there, has turned Fresno State into a contender in the Mountain West in his you know last two seasons particularly and they look to be doing that on a yearly basis. San Diego State, I'm not sure on. They were very run heavy last year. Uh, with a really, really good running back. Uh, and they're going to have to change their offense a fraction, I believe. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how they go. Uh, but I think, like you said, Boise State, pretty, really, really good. And they look to make the championship game again. Fresno State, probably the strength on their side, which lets those two uh, re-battle out their championship game from last year, which went to overtime. And Fresno State got up. So... Hopefully, it'll be a good season in the Mountain West. Always worth checking out. Uh, there are a, lo- uh, you know, a lot of NFL-talented players on those ball clubs. They do get draft picks every year, so certainly worth a look. All right, that brings us to the end of the first part of our road trip. We've covered a fair few miles, actually, on the West Coast. We have. From Washington all the way down through California, Nevada, we're out to Arizona, Utah, and somehow we got on the boat to Hawaii as well. (laughs) Anyway, um, that does bring us to the end of the first episode. Uh, Next preview, we head further east and we head into Big 12 country. Um, So we'll check out and see what the Big 12 is doing. I know Will's really, really excited about that. We will be back with my opportunity to test Will's college football knowledge in the SATs. Uh, As always, please do tell your friends about us. Make sure you leave us comments, reviews uh, uh, on Twitter and on Instagram at CFB Down Under. Tell all your friends about us. Let's really get the word out this year and uh, make sure that we've got a lot of that Aussie following so that we can really create a really strong community of uh, college football supporters as we start gearing up towards season 2019. My name is Aaron. That is Will. And before I feel completely ratchet today, we will see you next time. 